0: And I have a special guest who's come back, Amanda B. Johnson um, of Dash Detailed. Uh, Amanda does a a weekly show that talks about the cryptocurrency Dash, which is a very interesting and uh, really cool cryptocurrency that I've started getting involved in. And uh, we're here to talk about the latest uh, software 12.1 update and um, what's going to happen in 2017. So, Amanda, how are you doing?
1: I'm pretty well. How How are you, Richard?
0: Good, I'm glad to have you back. We had a good call last time and, uh, you know, got a lot of listens on the podcast, so I wanna, I'm sure people want to hear what, what's going on now. So, um, yeah, what's, well, what I'd happened like earlier me. in February? Yeah, right. Earlier in February, uh, Dash updated its software. Um, you know quite a bit more than I do. So what were some of the changes and improvements and updates to Dash?
1: Sure. So on February 5th, to be precise, An update called 12.1, I guess more specifically it would be 0.12.1, was pushed. And it was Dash's biggest update in a year and a half. So it was a pretty big deal. And it was also a long time coming. The primary purpose of the update was to get a stepping stone into our software that will allow us to deliver our real end goal product, which is Dash Evolution, or what I call cryptocurrency that your mother or your grandmother could use and feel like she was using a PayPal or something. So the update consisted primarily of a piece of software that runs parallel to uh our our code base it's called dash d i don't know if, if, if any of your listeners are like programmer types perhaps they've heard of i think it's called bitcoin d that's the parallel in bitcoin so in dash it's called dash okay. d and uh in order to serve up what we want to serve up in evolution which is the the feeling of paypal so like you have your account name and you have your list of your friends whom you've paid before and whom you could easily pay Mm. again, and and et cetera, and et cetera, we wanted to make sure that we could serve up those things more easily. Reason being, and I wouldn't know this from personal experience, but I'm told that messing with the code base itself, uh, whether you know, in Bitcoin, it's Bitcoin D, or in Dash, it's Dash D, apparently messing with the code base itself is a is a pretty time-consuming and difficult process. Uh, it's written in C++, and apparently it's just, uh, it, it's difficult. And so if we want to be able to compete with, say, centralized companies that can push out quick updates. Uh, that don't potentially don't have to spend a whole lot of time and money on just you know making like a, a an end user tweak. Um, mm. The lead developer of Dash, Evan Duffield, he said, "Well, let's add this parallel piece of software to Dash D. Let's call it Sentinel, and Sentinel will be, or I guess is, we it's been pushed uh, is more easily updated, so that we can tailor make." Uh, uh, evolution's appearances, basically, without having to expend so much time and so much effort.
0: So it sounds like, a, what, you know, what they call an API, you know, programming interface that allows um, less tech-savvy people to make changes and have them roll out faster without hurting or uh, altering the, you know, the, the fundamental code of Dash.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great parallel. And and aside from Sentinel, which at this time, uh, end users, it's nothing that we interact with yet. Sentinel is not anything that we are yet experiencing. It's just now there. But as far as what Dash users are experiencing in the 12.1 update, uh, there have been just basic improvements to the experience of using the core wallet. So... The wallet loads much faster. Uh, it syncs with the blockchain faster. Uh, mixing times for private send are faster. Um, the fees for mixing coins and as well as instant send are all lower. And so, yeah, okay. so, so the experience is all around better. Um, but Sentinel, <laughs> Sentinel will likely not be felt until evolution comes out and actually there was good news on that recently as well which is that the delivery date for the alpha version of it has been bumped up like by about six months so it should yeah yeah alpha evolution should be out Sometime this summer is is what's come down the pipeline most recently. Actually, it didn't come down through any pipeline. What am I saying? It was announced by um, Director of Finance Ryan Taylor at the North American Bitcoin Conference last month.
0: You know what I like about Dash is um, all the changes and improvements come pretty quick, and they all make sense. Um, Everything I've seen you guys do, I think, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, good idea. So I really like where it's headed, and... um, it's just you know. I
1: feel exactly use, the same want. way.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a nice feeling when that happens. Instead of, um, I know that you know, Bitcoin has difficulty with politics, and um, it just makes the whole environment less likely to be adopted by um, by the mainstream. So I'm glad Dash is doing this, and uh, you know, it's a great thing.
1: Yeah, um, I any... agree. I wish I could take any credit whatsoever for anything that Dash <laughs> unveils but I definitely cannot and will not ever be able to it's, all I can do is just I mean, you know, every time something comes out or is announced or whatever, all I can do is think, "Oh my gosh, yes. That. That is exactly what we needed." That and and you know, and then just and then just try to shout it from the rooftops because that that is my <laughs> that is my role in the Division of Labor. It is the these guys are just um it's amazing. It's, it's really amazing stuff. I feel humbled every day, just like in our Slack, for example. Um, I frequently have tech-related questions, and I'll just ask around. And just these smart, nice, super professional guys will just chime in and, and answer my questions for me. And these are guys who have been in Dash, like believing in Dash, since the beginning, since 2014, I didn't even come around for two years after that. And so I'm so impressed by their, I guess, stick to if that's what it can be called. And it's just, uh, yeah. they're really playing the long game. Like this, it's, it's not, it has been a long, boring road that's been almost completely devoid of hype. Uh, and and has really attracted its share of trolls and haters. And I just, I really look up to these people who have so thanklessly just kept their nose down to the grindstone. And only now are we starting to see a little bit of the attention that I think we will continue to get going forward in that we had a recent price rally and it attracted us some attention.
0: Yeah, I was going to talk to you about that. When when we last talked just a few months ago, dash was oscillating between 12 and 14 and I looked yesterday, it was 22 and i think today yeah. it was like 21 22 what do you what do you think caused this huge spike recently
1: so actually i was thinking about this yesterday and i i have a loose theory so prior okay. to the 12.1 update uh any time i would talk to somebody who was completely new to the Dash ecosystem, but who knew some a a lot or a little about Bitcoin? I felt like when I told them what we could do, that it almost seemed like too good of a of a promise, almost like too good to be true. Like I would talk about instant sends, and it almost seemed like they didn't believe me. That they didn't think that an instant confirmation was a thing that the sphere could ever achieve. And so right. maybe maybe up until the 12.1 push, everything that Dash was doing was so advanced that it seemed a little too good to be true. And people were, almost, were more prone to dismiss us as like a pipe dream than something that could be used. And so in terms of this price rally that we experienced very recently, my loose theory is that that came about because Dash is in the middle of doing something that people outside of Dash do relate with, and that is to fork or not to fork. That is to upgrade or to to not out of fear. That That okay. is something that Bitcoiners understand well because they have thus far, I mean, like, you know, a third of them are dying to fork. A third of them are dying to do, you know, a sort of a soft fork. And then a third of them actually are like a majority of the hash power don't even care. They want no change whatsoever. Whereas, you know, in the Ethereum camp, they definitely know what it is to have a fork go wrong. And so I think that since Dash had 100% of its hash power upgrade to 12.1 within, I think it was two or three days, and we have oh, wow. a 80% of our masternodes upgraded to 12.1. And we have this sort of interesting spork looming on the horizon. If you want, I can talk to you more about that. But anyway, I think that yeah. maybe drew some attention because finally we were doing something that other people have a frame of reference for and that, that might have caught their attention.
0: Well, I can tell you um, some personal experiences I've had since we last talked. So, um, you know, this is not self-aggrandizement or anything, but um, Amanda, you helped connect me with a guy named Slawek and um, also Perry Wooden that help people run masternodes. And I've since uh, set up and I run now a Dash masternode. And it's really cool. Ah. It's a nice feeling to be able to contribute to the network. And, you know, I get paid a little bit of Dash each week, which is great. Um I was one of the masternodes that upgraded to 12.1. It was smooth. It was very much effortless. No problems. Um but I've done instant send once or twice and it's pretty cool. You know, your computer goes ding ding and, you know, the coins uh-huh. are either sent or received right away. So, right there. really no problems. It all worked well and, um even when you talked about the community, you know, you've been great and very helpful. You've connected me to people. Um, in the community itself, I've spoken to Mukau, I've spoken to Slawek, and again, Perry Wood and some other people, and they've all gone out of their way and taken a lot of time to help me understand, and it looks like they'd, I'm sure they would do the same for anyone else, you know, um, so everything you're saying, I have now an experience for, and I really appreciate it, and uh, just want to let listeners know that Dash really is a great community, and I encourage them to get involved.
1: Yeah, well, and I'd, I'd like to comment on that. In that I I want to state that I, we hear that a lot. We hear that Dash community is great, Dash community is great. We also hear Dash marketing is great, Dash marketing is great. And it seems that some people are under the impression that it just so happens that Dash owners are coincidentally also nice people and are coincidentally also great marketers. And there's no coincidence about it. We're not actually nicer people than the average person. The reason that so many people are coming away from interacting with us saying, well, that was nice, I think is because we laid down proper governance and proper incentives such a long time ago. When you have governance in place, it removes the, the need and the desire to argue for the most part. Or when we do have arguments, they are brief and they are settled hmm. quickly. And, and the reason these masternode owners are so helpful and nice, I mean, yeah, I'm sure they're decent guys too, but it's also because masternodes ha- have collateralized a thousand dash in their node they are heavily financially invested in giving people a good experience with Dash. And so I just wanted to point that out because, like I said, we get the comment all the time, you guys are so nice, everything is is so, so smooth here and your marketing is so nice. Well, the reason that Dash people are nice is because they have the proper incentives in place to help others. And... The reason that we have marketing is because we have a treasury from which to spend funds. And so, yeah, it's just, it's kind of, it's a, it's, a, it's a reverse of what most people think we have. They think we came into these things by chance, and we didn't. It's by design.
0: Well, for some of the skeptics out there, can you talk about some of the problems that have come up and how the community handled them? You know, not to be negative, but just to show people, you know, it's not all Pollyanna. There are issues, yeah. but here's how you guys you know roast the occasion,
1: yeah, that's a great question well, uh so about a year and a half ago, uh Dash's lead developer Evan Duffield uh brought a proposal to the Treasury to hire a particular p r firm, and being the both the founder and the lead developer of Dash. Evan Duffield's opinion has a good deal of sway, as you can imagine. And so he put the proposal into our treasury to hire this particular marketing firm. And at first, when the votes started coming in, it looked like it was going to pass. But then someone or someone, I'm not sure whom, some of the masternodes did some additional research on the firm, and they published it. And their research was enough to sway the opinion of enough masternodes to actually vote down a proposal that the lead developer and founder of Dash himself had made. And Hmm. so that's just one example of, you know, I mean, people will say like, oh, Dash has a lead developer with like a public face. Wow, that's so centralized. It's centralized. And it's like, no, the power lies within the Masternode vote, this decentralized network of Dash investors all over the world, such that they were able to vote down a proposal that Mr. Evan Duffield himself made. And, and, you know, there may have been arguing about it for, what, maybe 24 hours, maybe 48, before the votes finally came in strong enough to show that the no's had definitely overtaken the yeas. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just another example. happened with myself, actually, when I first uh, put in my proposal to make a show about Dash called Dash Detailed. One of the bullet points of my proposal was that an old Dash YouTube channel, which was basically just functioning as a mirror, I thought it should be deleted so that the mirror channel was not competing with our current channel for search results, basically. And so my proposal itself passed, but then uh, the person who had like delete access to the old channel never deleted it. And so I was all wild and up in arms, and you know, (laughs) there was maybe some arguing for 24 or 48 hours. And then somebody said, hey, Amanda, this arguing needs to stop. Will you please put in a second proposal? to the masternodes to say, yes or no, this person whom whom we pay from the treasury, this person whom we pay should delete that YouTube channel or no. And so there was right. a vote, and within 24 hours, the no's had it. And the person who was keeping the mirror channel up, his name was cleared, and I was completely silenced. And, like, I mean, I lost, but it was great. It was so great that 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 there is this sort of like gavel that can be struck that is the masternode vote that just there's no need to argue anymore.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah, I guess one more example. I had heard with um the twelve point one update that um I guess say um you know when mining occurs uh the split is supposed to be partially to the treasury, partially to the miner. And then um, I forget where the other part goes, but some of like I think seven or eight percent of the nodes, um, you know, didn't uh, allocate their uh, their mining rewards properly.
1: Oh yeah, okay. So yeah, you're talking about there were seven or eight percent of our hash power that, while 12.0 and 12.1 are currently cooperating, which they are. Again, this is the spork thing that hasn't happened yet. That I can talk to you about if you want. But yes, while but, yeah. while the old network and the new are currently the same network, there is the option for, for miners to cheat and to not pay masternodes the way they usually do and have to. And yeah, about the last I checked, about 7% of the hash rate had chosen to do that.
0: Yeah, but it's still low. So 7% it's out low. of 100 is yeah. low. And what do you expect... Do you think this will resolve soon, and how how will it resolve? What's your guess?
1: Yeah, I I wish that I could comment on that, Richard. I I really do. Uh, this is my this is going to be my first network upgrade with Dash. Like I said, the last major one was a year and a half ago, and I started working for Dash uh, just under a year ago. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I have not been through this process yet. So this is a, this is new for me. This is a learning experience for me. Um, As far as the network parameters that they're watching for in terms of when to activate this spork, and let me just define this for anybody who's not sure what that means. So in Dash, uh, we have a unique upgrading mechanism called a spork. What it is is that the the code base itself comes with a little off-on switch. The off-on switch that in question is basically the ability to, to remove, remove people running at different software versions from the majority software version. So if this sport in question were activated, it would separate the people running 12.1 and the people running 12.0. So eventually right. that needs to happen because the software versions, it, when they're in their full features, are, are not compatible. And right. so at the current time, sporking is done in a centralized manner. It's probably the only centralized aspect of Dash in that it is a key signing of multiple key holders of members of Dash core team. And so they have been monitoring the network for what they consider to be indicators of health. And when they view the network as healthy enough, they will sign their private keys and they will remove the remaining nodes who did not upgrade to 12.1. They will remove them from the network, to my understanding. Okay. And now this has been the way that Dash has upgraded since its inception in early 2014. And um, it's worked pretty well for us thus far. It would seem that on the roadmap, there seems to be, not on the official roadmap, but something that has been talked about among Dash developers is that as this way of sporking is the last remaining centralized aspect of Dash, that that would be something that ought to be decentralized. And it just so happens that the Sentinel portion of the 12.1 upgrade is the tool that will enable that. So whether it manifests itself as a full network vote, like vote yay or nay, we should sport now and kick off the nodes who did not upgrade. Or whether it was something like the master nodes choose to... Yeah, uh, I don't know. Appoint specialists who who decide when to spork. I don't know. I mean, I mean that's kind of what it is now in terms of the private key signing thing. But right, yeah, right. however that plays out will be interesting to see. And it comes at this crossroads of of this of um of the question of governance itself, which is and and I and this is a very important question to me, which is right. um are uh, what aspects are masternodes fully able and capable of, of governing themselves on? Is it all aspects? Or rather, what, what elements of governance are specialized? And, and how can it be ensured that the masternode maintains his full voting power while, okay, if he doesn't feel qualified to determine whether or not the net, or rather when the network should spork? Is there a way right. for him to delegate that voting power? You know, it's like the age-old question of governance: is it is it representative? Is it direct? Can it be mixed? What is it? And and this is a very interesting territory that Dash alone is kind of moving into, exploring in in the crypto sphere.
0: Very interesting. Okay. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, adoption. Um, yeah. What factors do you think are going to be critical? For Dash to become more widely adopted, I know you're working on it every day with your stuff, and <laughs> everyone's trying to promote Dash. But you know, are there any uh, software items or other items that you think are going to be like, um, you know, watershed moments that really pushes Dash to the front?
1: Well, evolution aside, which which we hope addresses the usability issue and gets rid of the horrid visual traces of cryptography. So there's been an interesting announcement in that vein recently uh, came from business developer Daniel Diaz. And he made a post saying that, okay, so first of all, it's his job to get as many businesses as possible to integrate Dash. Mm -hmm. And he made a post the other day saying that there's a, a backlog of sorts of businesses who said that they would be willing to integrate Dash if and when we were able to offer them certain APIs to to make it easier for them, right? Like more more Mm. plug-and-playable features. And uh, as Daniel writes, we did not have those. And so uh, he wrote that there are two main companies offering these types of APIs. Uh, one of them being a company called BlockCipher. And so uh, his post said that he is in the process of securing a partnership with BlockCypher, um, that he will be putting in a proposal for us to fund the integration costs that BlockCypher would be taking on by bringing us on And that a whole suite of developer APIs would be coming out of it, the type that these backlogged businesses had said, we will accept dash if. And so that, um, not being a developer myself, I cannot visualize how big the availability of such APIs would have. But from some of the comments I've read about this proposal uh, from more programmatic types, they seem to think it's right. a pretty big stepping stone. And so, yeah, I mean, just to answer your question right there, I think that the block cipher partnership could uh, offer a, a more serious step toward adoption.
0: Okay. Any other particular features that you think will uh, help it become more widespread?
1: Well, I mean, it's like, like is so frequently said, it it will all really come down to, to how the average person feels about about evolution and whether or not we can offer them a compelling enough reason to even download the damn app and you know try mm-hmm. out magic internet money, because it's a pretty uh. that's a pretty big ask <laughs> when you think about it. I mean, you think about how PayPal got started, and I'm told that uh, in the early days, if you opened a PayPal account, they'd give you 10 or $20 for free or something. And, yeah. you know, that that worked well for them. But our, our challenge will be even more difficult because we're not talking dollars anymore. It's not, oh, download this app and we'll give you some perks that you already know and are familiar with. It's No, it's like, download this app, and we'll give you some perks that you are not familiar with. And so that, it's it's going to be a huge uh, undertaking. And so uh, thankfully, we have Ryan Taylor, as I had mentioned before, Dash's Director of Finance. We have him on our side. And I say thankfully because he he comes to us from a place that none of the rest of us that I'm aware of came from, which is the payments industry, like the fiat payments industry. And so to hear this guy talk about, um, oh, he calls it the the three, there are three metrics um, of adoption and no new payment system that didn't check off at least two of those three metrics was ever able to break into the industry. Uh, They are that the payment method must either be more fast, more secure, or offer some sort of like a sign-on incentives or like loyalty rewards, et cetera, et cetera. And if two of those three boxes aren't checked off, forget about it. And so uh, thankfully, w- with, with the experience that he brings and like the real world down to earth stuff, he's not a cryptographer. He's not babbling on about code bases and cryptography and all of these things. He he's he is his his, uh, his job is is real world average consumer adoption. And so, for example, I I didn't even know this till we mentioned till someone mentioned it. I don't know if it was him or someone else, but um, a year and a half ago, uh, Evan Duffield and his development team were basically banting around some some options as for what should we execute next. Maybe it was two years ago. What should we execute hmm. next? Should we prioritize this feature, this feature, or this feature? And at the time, uh, one of the things on that list was Instant Send. They didn't have it yet. And hmm. I'm told that Ryan Taylor, like, pointed to Instant Send and said, that, you need to have that. Develop it now. And so, hmm. you know, just, j- just his, uh, his experience should—it's—it's it's really beneficial for us because, uh, like, I think it was Gavin Andreessen. Gavin Andreessen, former core developer of Bitcoin, he made a post the other day saying that often the programmer type can can become blinded, like, like can't see the forest for the trees, something to that effect. And so Dash is really lucky to have a lot of different brains in the space so it's not all programmers thank god it's it's all sorts of people and um and you know like with the treasury being available to pay any any brain type who we need it's a pretty good situation to be in
0: do you know if they've ever contemplated offering interest for people holding dash you know even like a nominal interest rate
1: oh yeah and and that and as some people have said, that may be the one, you know, the, the killer app, that may be our equivalent of, of PayPal's, hey, twenty dollars free if you sign up for PayPal, which would be, right. yes, the the it would it would look like a savings account, basically, in right. your user interface, right. just like any online bank has a a savings account. But if you were to put any number of dash in your savings account, what would be happening on the network level is that that dash would be available to be spun up into a master node by someone who has the technical know-how that our average user is definitely not going to have. And so once it's spun up into a master node, the person whose dash that was, and mind you, they have their private key the whole time, but the person whose dash that was will begin earning a proportional share of the masternode reward in their savings account, which to them will just look like a good old-fashioned interest-bearing savings account. And hopefully Mm. and likely, they'll be paying, they'll be being paid uh, more, potentially way more than they were expecting from their traditional bank.
0: Well, last last question for now. What role do you think Bitcoin is going to play in Either helping Dash become adopted or hurting it, or you know, Bitcoin's the biggest. I mean, it still is. Uh, what What do you think is going to happen?
1: What do I think is going to happen versus what do I hope will happen? Are they even the
0: same? <laughs> um, well, how do you yeah, How do you think Bitcoin will influence Dash specifically this year?
1: This year, I I don't think that. Bitcoin influences Dash directly at all. Uh, more recently, if you look at the, the Bitcoin to Dash price chart, it's only been about three months that, uh, how do I even describe this? It's like the, the market, it's like the Dash price in dollars versus the Dash price in Bitcoin. Only for the last three months has the line that represents the dash price in dollars over Bitcoin been above the, the line that represents the dash price in Bitcoin. And so I'm hoping, okay. and, and like for example, if you, most masternodes don't sell, right? Most masternodes don't, don't sell the highs and wait back to buy the lows. They're, they just hmm. they keep their masternode up. It's, first of all, it's just too much damn trouble to, to take right. the thing down just to sell. Um, but I also think that most masternodes are like in it for the long game, and, and they, they're happy both with their rewards and for Dash's price performance in general, so they don't feel the need to be flipping all the time. So I don't think that Bitcoin's price affects us as much. Probably the only way it could affect us, and maybe even is, And this is sad, but a a lot of people are starting to have such negative experiences with Bitcoin that I I just hope that they they don't close off their openness to cryptocurrency altogether. As an example, Mm -hmm. I logged in to use the site eGifter the other day, which I use frequently to buy gift cards. And eGifter invoices through Coinbase as many retailers do, Coinbase and BitPay mm-hmm. being the main invoice companies, main payment processors for Bitcoin. And right. I go to pay with Bitcoin as I usually do, not because I own Bitcoin, but because at the, at the point of sale I open up a ShapeShift tab and in the moment I sell Dash for Bitcoin so I can buy a gift card from eGifter. So I go right. click Pay with Bitcoin and it brings up this window I've never seen before that says, uh, this site will no longer be accepting Bitcoin payments directly. If you want to pay with Bitcoin, you need to have Bitcoin in a Coinbase wallet already. Hmm. And that was so telling to me that they have probably been receiving emails to their support desk saying, I sent my payment, where's my confirmation? I sent my payment, how come? How come I haven't received my gift card yet? Because I know that that's happening because it happened to me like three weeks ago. I was buying a gift card then too. I sent my payment straight from ShapeShift and I did not get a confirmation for two or three hours. So you know that eGifter is probably sick of receiving emails saying, I sent my Bitcoin payment. How come my invoice isn't paid? Where's my gift card? So sick of it that they just stopped accepting Bitcoin directly. So it's it's not good that these things are happening in terms of, I hope it doesn't turn any businesses off to the idea of cryptocurrency altogether. But the flip side of it may be, if a business remains open to cryptocurrency, maybe they'll be more open to accepting Dash because they're having such negative experiences with Bitcoin.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So you, you, I, I would guess you talk to a lot of people in the cryptocurrency sphere. Are you hearing uh, issues with, you know, uh, processing times in the Bitcoin blockchain? Or, or what are you hearing?
1: That is an yeah. understatement, Richard. Issues in processing time in the Bitcoin blockchain is an understatement. Uh, the, the people who still own Bitcoin today, they just must not be using it very often. Like they must just be sitting on their Coinbase account and they are just confident that they're going to be able to retire on their 2.5 Bitcoin and that it's going to go to the moon and they'll be able to tell their grandkids that they had 2.5 Bitcoin before it shot up to a million dollars a coin. And that just must be what they're thinking because anybody who tries to use Bitcoin to pay for something is not happy and it's and if you and if and if and, and maybe there are a few who are who say oh well I don't mind a dollar fifty transaction fee because this is digital gold where else could I ship gold from one end of the world to the other for a dollar fifty nowhere okay but we if we're making value judgments we have to say compared to what it's digital gold compared to nothing yeah sure But if Dash can come along and offer the exact same type of digital gold but instant and for nearly free or free, it's not going to be digital gold anymore. They they have this sort of erroneous thinking that the present equals the future. And I just don't think that's going to be the case.
0: Okay, gotcha. All right. Well, any other uh, any other topics you think we should cover? Or, I mean, we, you know, we always seem to do a wide range, and uh, you know, I think we're giving people a better feel of Dash. But um, anything else that you want to cover?
1: That feels pretty thorough to me, Richard.
0: Okay. And I guess we'll look to have you back again, as uh, you know, certainly when uh, Dash Evolution Alpha comes out and as other big developments come. And you know, thanks again for for being on the show. I appreciate it. You have been listening to Almost Here, around the corner future technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast both to review and discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.